On this week's episode of the Sensual Power Podcast, I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Louisa Wies Doran. She is a well-known educator, strategist, podcast speaker doing liberation work via anti-oppression, healing, abolition, and justice. We're discussing how activism plays into our spirituality and doing our own spiritual healing and growth allows us to stand for the liberation of others. So stay tuned, share this episode, bookmark it, and check out Louise's work below too. Welcome to the Sensual Power Podcast. This is a podcast for women, AFAP people, and anyone looking to learn more about generational trauma, childhood trauma, narcissistic abuse, sacred sexuality, and healing any wounds around money, sex, relationships, self, and doing expansion work with that. Everything that I'm talking about is based on my own experiences of healing and the work that I do with my clients. Keep in mind, though, I am a cis white woman, so the views that I express do come with a sense of privilege, and if harm is done, I am always willing to repair harm, so please reach out if that happens. Otherwise, stay tuned and listen to your next episode right now. Uh, welcome, Louisa. Do you prefer Weeze or Louisa? How would he? Um, I, yeah, I mostly prefer Weeze. Okay. Um, there's some people, and I've literally done this to people before. I'm like, my name is Louisa. You know, like there's definitely those moments where I'm like, no, you don't uh, call me. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, my government name is Louisa. Uh, no, 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 but yeah, call me Weeze. Call me Weeze. Okay. Well, welcome to the Central Power Podcast. Um, Again, I am so fucking happy to have you here today. In case you didn't notice, this was also a podcast you get to say fuck on. (laughs) Um, First of all, I got to ask, what is your ritual before you jump into things? Because you said it and I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So um, first and foremost, everybody knows this. Like I'm a bevy person. Like I have all my beverages. Like all my clients always make fun of me. They're like, you have sparkling water, regular water, coffee, a smoothie, like some electrolyte, something, you know, and I'm like rotating between. So first I set up my space, you know, so I have all my bevies, like my little topo and my coffee, I have all my stuff. Um, So that's the first thing behind me. I have um, my altar that has, you know, some kind of ancestral pieces that have been passed down. Um, I have my little paw print of my little baby Knox that I lost a year ago, my puppy, you know, I've just got my sage, got all my stuff. So I just have a, a moment to commune with like, the ancestors set the energy. Um, and then I have my own little meditation that I just kind of use to center myself, really drop into my body. And also, um, I always do a personal inventory before I do anything. Well, I call it a personal inventory. It's literally even how I start my day of just like, how is my spirit? How am I feeling? What do I need? Am I feeling tender at all? Um, so that I can then tend to myself so that I can be, what I like to think is the most dynamic version of myself, not all the time, right? Like, cause there's never this, I'm never the same person any day, but like today, like, how do I get to that dynamic me? Like, how do I get gra- grounded? How do I make sure I'm resourced? Like, and then there's typically maybe a little dance involved. So today it was listening to Beyonce's new song, you know, and like grooving out a little bit. And now here we are. Yes. I love it. Um, I also, I love the song, but here's my problem with the song. It is made for people with good knees. 
<laughs> it is not made for people that have been dancing for 40 plus years. Yes, it is, baby. <laughs> Just sit in a chair and bop. Okay. <laughs> Find the group. <laughs> but my brain has not, my brain has not gotten to be like, no, you, but you can, you can do a, you can do a bop in a chair. My, my, my brain's like, no, you're not. You no, can. your body's like, it's Torque O'Clock. Big Frida's on this song. Like, what right. do you mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were, it's funny. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, my brain is like, this is early 2000s. You're in the club. Yeah. So I literally, so I heard it and like the child in me that people made fun of for being really into like go-go and house and bounce music, like really young, especially yeah. because I grew up in the Bay Area where that's not part of our music culture. Right. Um, but I've always loved it, you know? Uh, I am very fortunate that my parents, you know, surrounded me with tons of amazing people from all over the world. So I got exposed to different kinds of music very young. So I was like real young, like, yeah. So yeah. it was like that hug to the inner child that was like, remember how everyone made fun of you for being really into this shit? Beyonce is now making it like accessible and making it quote unquote cool. Cause obviously once Beyonce does it, like that's it. Oh, it's it's okay. It's okay to do it, you know? Yeah. So that inner child was like, I fucking told y'all I was just ahead of the time. Like <laughs> this shit is cool. It, it really is. And you know, what's going to happen now is all these artists are going to start coming out with it and be like, oh yeah, this is our shit now. Mm -hmm. Is it now? Right. You're late. Yeah. Have you heard sweet dreams are made of these? Like you're late. You're like 40 years late, but it's fine. Welcome. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. And honestly, I'm not opposed. I'm really digging it. I'm like, I, we can have a summer of bounce. I like it. I am. I'm going to take a lot of ibuprofen, a mm -hmm. lot of biofreeze on the knees, but I I'm was going to say, yep. Get you, get you some Arnica. It'll be fine. <laughs> Lather the body. Oh my God. <laughs> It's so, good. so I love that I love that you have a whole ritual that you start with to kind of center yourself and get yourself connected to who you are right now in this day. Mm -hmm. And it kind of fits really well with like what I wanted to talk to you about, which is spirituality and activism, because there are there's a lot there. <laughs> and there's a yep. lot. <laughs> yeah. And the first thing I think I really want to hit on, because to me, spirituality, if it doesn't involve activism, then you are not being aligned with spirituality. I mean, I don't like to play in binaries, but you're doing it wrong. Right. There's very few things in this world that I'm like, you're doing that wrong. But I, I, I fundamentally feel that you're, you're literally doing it wrong. Like spirituality to me, and I'm sure there's a, a question that you're probably going to ask me, but I'm just going to drop this in while it's in my brain. Go for it. Um, it, re it requires a full mind, body, soul, spirit alignment with integrity and humanity and liberation and a connection to more than just the idea of the divine, but literally like the earth and the idea that like, we are all so interconnected energies and frequencies and all of those things. So for anybody to suggest, even, even obviously within big, the, the big organized religions, right. And also spirituality, but for anyone to suggest that in any of those spiritual faith realms, that activism one is not literally written into your text. And if you don't know that you should probably read them more clearly. 
Um, but, <laughs> but for anyone to suggest that, that activism and, and faith and spirituality are actually like, cannot coexist or should not coexist has literally chosen to, you know, we, we call it like whitewashing or rainbow yeah. washing. I call it oppression, oppression washing. Yeah. Like you've literally chosen to just take the paintbrush of oppression. And you're like, I just want to use these parts. Cause these parts allow me to feel better about the horrible things that I agree to do to you or, you know, that I see happening that like, I'm not really going to bother getting active in because like, that's your problem. Right. And, and that, so true for, there's so much that that is true for in many aspects of life. But again, like yes. to me, when we're talking about spirituality and our connection to that, that absolutely is the coming home to understanding our connection to everything and everyone. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was little and my, this was like one of the first discussions about what my family went through because they're from Germany. They moved over here when my dad was little. So they went through World War II and everything. They, they fought back. Some family members, unfortunately, did not make it out of that because German mm -hmm. Jewish, right? I tried to ask my, I was like trying to understand. I'm like, why do these things happen? You know, and I'm just, I'm just a little me and I'm <laughs> trying to understand a very big concept. And my dad was like, well, people forget that we're all connected to one another mm -hmm. and that this land, we're in service of it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, seven-year-old me is like, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you get, you, the more you step into that and the more you grow up, I feel like that, that is the thing that you have to start to learn. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I truly believe that we are all born with that understanding. Mm -hmm. And then this is one of the reasons why when I, you know, dove into academia, that sociology and behavioral science was like the field of study for me. Yeah. Because I was so fascinated with the notion that we are born our most authentic, truest selves. Mm -hmm. We are born with such a deep, literal like biological connection, right? Like we, right. we fed off the womb, like biological connection, right. energetic connection, but we're born with, with an understanding of a connection, right? I, I believe this, uh, you know, what other people believe is for them, but children also, because they have yet to be socialized and, and taught all the performances of their identity are also very, very connected to you know, different elements, spirits, mm -hmm. um, you know, energies and frequencies. There's a reason that, you know, they, when you hear about like, you know, people call them ghosts, I call them, you know, spirits and ancestors, but works. yeah, whatever works for you. Um, but there's a reason that, you know, in a number of non-Western cultures and societies, there's a deep belief that like when you see a baby like laughing or giggling at quote unquote nothing, it's because they're communing with, you know, ancestral spirits that have come to like bless them or, or protect them and, you know, that are cloaking them. So I say all of that to say like, we are so deeply connected in our most authentic selves, you know, at, at yeah. birth. And then society gets its hands on us, right? Then we're socialized. Then we're taught how we're expected to show up in the world how we're expected to perform based on our localization in society. And we get so deeply disconnected from ourselves mm -hmm. that obviously then we become so deeply disconnected from others. And I, I feel like one of the, the most integral elements of healing is first and foremost, learning to find that path back to yourself so that you can find your path back to the interconnectedness of everyone else. And to me, that's what spirituality is about. Yeah. Yeah. And 
uh, there's so much good there. I, I, I also resonate too with like, because when I went to college, I started in psychology, then I started switching over to sociology. Then I was like, well, I'm going to get a double major in women's gender and sexuality, because I want to understand why we do the fucked up things that we do, and how to heal from them. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> get that. Um, so when we're, when we're on this pathway in our lives, and I feel like many of us have this moment, and I, I think more people are starting to get there or at least they're starting to be open to the idea my hope is that i have to hope yeah right please yeah. Give me some hope for this world i want i want to know from your perspective like what do you see when we start coming to terms with our own truth right we start to decondition a lot of those things what do you see that is like the biggest first thing that happens for us um, so I think it's different based on, uh, a, a couple elements. One is social identities, right? So your position of like, uh, intersecting privileges and marginalizations, cause so many of us have both. Right. right. Um, and also literally geographically where you're located, right. So accessibility to a lot of things. Um, but if, if I was going to kind of like pick an overarching one, you know, having noted the nuances that exist, um, I think the the very first thing, honestly, is peace. Yeah. And and peace feels like and looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But so much of my work is literally rooted in the the belief and the idea that before you can actually liberate anyone else, before you can really authentically, you know, out there be team activists, like, you know, in the street, turning up, doing whatever you have to first liberate yourself. And the process of liberating yourself requires coming home to yourself yeah. and understanding the healing that is required in that, right? The shedding that is required in that process. But through that process, again, like it comes back to this idea of like peace. Right. Because I, I, I truly believe that the ways in which, you know, people talk about activism and systems of oppression and all of these other things, I believe that every single one of us has been taught to maintain an inter internal state of turmoil. Yeah. So that we stay so busy and so fragmented internally mm -hmm. and so disconnected from our own bodies. Yeah. When you're in that state, you can't possibly be focused on helping anyone else, right? Or connecting to other people or understanding that. So that sense of peace comes from the calm, right? Mm -hmm. The sense of peace comes from realizing like, oh, my body and my mind actually can be on the same page. I can be in like full integration and alignment. Like I can have a sentient and an intellectual experience. Right. I don't have to ignore the body. I don't have to ignore, right? Like the vessel. Mm -hmm. And so from there, so I, you know, I couch under that all, all under just this, like this calm and this peace. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it's so important because, I mean, like you said, we're taught so often to be in this dysregulated state. And I mean, especially if you add in based on identity or anything like that, or your experiences growing up, there's trauma there. Mm. Like we get addicted to that because it's what we're fed nonstop every day of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's hard because we've normalized it. Yeah. Right. We've normalized this very fucked up idea. 
that like the chaos and the turmoil and the trauma and the dysregulation is okay, that it's normal, that it exists in everybody. And in fact, you are more successful or worth more or more valuable to society if you can be what? Strong or resilient, fight through it, you know, prevail in spite of it. Like, fuck that absolutely not again that is the gag of the system right they've it's convinced us that instead of healing our shit right learning to reconnect to ourselves come home to ourselves liberate ourselves and then by way of our own liberation liberate each other find calm and peace and joy and rest and all those things find a deep deep spirituality because i think an element of spirituality is also learning to commune with yourself right um instead of doing all that like no 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 just just learn to grind it out. Learn to be hyper-productive, right? Like learn to be resilient. That's that's the answer. It's not healing. It's resilience. Like, no, thank you. You can keep resilience. I want softness and I want grace and I want tenderness and I want naps. Like, fuck right. you. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. The amount of times in my life that somebody has heard my story, because I grew up with a very narcissistic, abusive mom. Mm-hmm. Dad's wonderful, but like, obviously, you know, like we're going through our shit right now with his health. Yeah. But like, and then, you know, all of the things that I went through in my life, the amount of people that'd be like, you're so strong, you're so resilient. And there was a moment in my life where I'm like, stop fucking complimenting me on that. I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to have had to have even been strong or resilient. How about instead of telling people that they're strong or they're resilient, you say instead, I wish for you that you had had a support mechanism. Yeah. That would have enabled you to process all of those feelings in a way that didn't require your strength or resilience. Right. I wish for you to have had a space where you felt safe enough to process those feelings. Right. I'm obviously depending on the situation, there's a million different possibilities, but like, what if we said that to people instead of, Oh my gosh, girl, you're so strong. You're so resilient. Yes. Like, no, no. How about instead, like, I I wish so much for you that you had had the opportunity to be vulnerable yeah. and to fall apart and know that that didn't mean anything about you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how different would any of us who have been strong and resilient and who have had to be strong and resilient mm-hmm. because of life circumstance and because of social identities, like, how different would we be today? I would love to have not had to heal all my shit. Right. That was ex- not only was it costly energetically and financially because therapy's not cheap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I could have been doing a lot more things. Like <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've I've re- I have made a pact with myself. I will never total out the entire cost of my own therapy, and it's not happening. Don't do it. I don't I, do it do it because you're going to start being like, I could have done this with that. And I could have done that with that. And you know, I'm not gonna lie. It makes me mad for like 2.5 seconds. Cause I sometimes will like ballpark it. And I'm like, that's some bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like, I could have bought a house I or four or four. <laughs> could have bought a pony and a, and a, I don't know what else, but a lot of an elephant. I don't know things. I could have bought things I didn't even need. I could have f- probably solved world hunger. Yeah. Right. And then still bought a pony. And then bought a pony. Mine was, I could have bought a remote island during the pandemic 
where I could have sat and then created all kinds of little funds to help people all over the world from my remote island where I didn't have to deal with anybody again. Hell yeah. You know what? That's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not. I actually looked up how much they were costing and during the pandemic, it was not bad. I know. I uh, Some friends and I did too. We were like, let's just see, like, what if we went, like, we all just went in on an island right. and then it was like, oh, I mean, these are costly because there's also just nothing there. So you have to right. like figure it out. But like, I mean, we couldn't do it, but like, I see why people do or how people yeah. can. Right. It's gross that people can, but like, I get it. It's gross. And at the same time, I get the idea. You're like, it's, it's, I can just let on who I want to be there. And that's uh-huh. it. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> and wouldn't have to deal with a lot of other humans. Yeah. Oh my God. So going back to this, this yes. strength model, I I think also the thing to note with that is what that does to your own psyche when over and over again, you keep getting told you're so strong. You're so resilient. You've overcome so much. Your family has overcome so much. Look at what you have done. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It really builds a very toxic self-talk narrative, right? That like, well, in order for me like to be worth, right? My entire worth or valuation system is rooted in the constant pushing down of emotions or the constant survival. Cause that's what it is, right? Strong and resilient is just like, wow, you survived some wild shit. Right. That's, that's, it's just like a really nice way to say that's some fucked up shit that happened to you. I can't even intellectualize that in any other way than that. Right. Like that was horrible and wild. And like, look at you still here seeming like pretty balanced. I think, you know, like, like pretty. Okay. Maybe. Um, and, and all it does is continue to reinforce that narrative, right? That internal turmoil of, well, maybe peace and ease and grace is actually not accessible or available to me. Maybe I am worth more if I just take it on the chin and grit my teeth and bear it. Maybe I am more acceptable or more valuable or more hireable or more, you know, fill yeah. in the blank of the ways that, you know, society couches, we're going to do terrible things to you. And then like, don't say anything about it as like love uh, or acceptance, but that's how it gets coded in our brain, right? Just take it on the chin. Yeah. Just grit your teeth and get through it. And then it begins to normalize it. And then when we do have moments of like, this is too much, right? Moments of overwhelm, moments of deep humanity, moments of sadness or grief or anything that doesn't, that doesn't look like resilience or, you know, quote unquote happiness. Mm-hmm. Then your narrative is, well, I'm weak. Yeah. I'm not as lovable. I'm not as X, Y, Z. Instead of I'm actually really, really human. And the strongest thing I can do is give myself permission to feel every single emotion that I encounter in my body. Yeah. Right. And give it space to be real. To me, like I had to redefine strength in that way. Yeah. You know, that resonates a lot personally, but also I know for so many people, you know, based on the differences of your experience, like getting to that point where it's like, actually, I'm not okay right now. And, and it's, and that's the reality and that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want, I'm always really mindful when I'm 
you know, speaking and anyone else might hear, right? So basically anytime it's out of my brain, not, it is, I'm not talking to myself, <laughs> um, of providing the context too, that like, I, I think sometimes people, especially with me, like will hear me speak about these things with so much like self-assuredness and confidence and like groundedness. And they're like, oh, but that could never be me because it's so easy. Like she makes it look so easy or she makes it look so sound. So she's so clear about it or confident about it. But like, I promise you, I wasn't, I was just as socialized, just as deeply rooted in the narratives of like resilience and strength. And, you know, I, I grew up with a narrative that I kid you not it, the quote that was, has been stuck in my head since I was four years old was that you do not cry in front of other people because when you cry and show them sadness, they'll believe that that's weakness and people will take advantage of your weakness. I was four. I remember learning that. It took me until my mid twenties to be okay crying in front of anyone else. I'm talking about even when a close friend of mine was murdered in college, I did not shed a single public tear. That is not fucking healthy. That is not normal. But everyone, of course, wow, you're so strong. You're so resilient. You know, I've been through a, a, a slew of shit, but, but I, I, I just want to name that for people yeah. because on the other side of the terrible that's been normalized, right? On the other side of the really hard path of like healing and re, reorienting to your humanity is the ability to look back and say, well, that's how, that's how I used to be. And, I, see, and I, I love that version of me and I give her tenderness and, you know, I thank her for helping me survive in when I didn't have the, any other tools to be able to do so, right? But I, I'm not exempt from having had to do the work yeah. to get here. Yeah. And, and with that too, like, I feel like the thing that, especially like when you are in such a prominent world of activism and of changing narratives and decolonizing things, I think people assume that like, oh, well, you never have those moments where like you catch yourself messing in that old space again. Like, of course you do. Of course. Dude, all the time, all the time, literally all the time, because we've spent more, I mean, depending on when you began your decolonial journey, right? Like, or your liberation journey, you spent, I at least at 36 have spent far longer of my life being socialized and following the social script than not. Mm-hmm. And if the rest of the world around you is still saying, it would be so much easier if you just gave in. Like that's literally right. what the messaging you're getting, right? Sometimes, you know what? Yes. You get tired of fighting and you're yeah. like, maybe it just would be easier. Yeah. I literally said last week, you know what? Like I'm, I'm, I feel like we're back in a social place. This is a little bit of a veering, but like we're back in a social place where people are having to be convinced again that there are terrible things happening to oppressed people that black and brown folks are and indigenous folks are still being murdered by the police at the exact same, actually a more alarming rate that there is a war on our trans and non-binary and queer loved ones. Like we're having to convince people again that those things are real because right. We, there was a great white awakening of 2022 and now there's like the great white snoozing. I don't know what else to call it. No, And I'm like, Right. I'm like, I'm fucking tired. Like we're here again. We're here. Y'all got right. so much hope. And now we're here again. And I told my partner, I was like, dude, I hate Facebook. I'm in the Bay, you know? So like they're everywhere. I'm like, I might just apply to Facebook. I might fuck around and get a nine to five. I'm tired. And then I like woke up the next day and was fine yeah. once I was resourced. But 
you're not exempt from that or from being like, oh, maybe I should put on makeup for this thing, right? Because I'm socialized female. So maybe I should dress like this. Maybe I shouldn't say this thing. Maybe I should. Those thoughts run through your mind. But the point Mm -hmm. of this healing work, of this liberation work, right? Of the, of the like relationship of activism and spirituality is to be able to have a narrative inside of you that can combat the, the colonial one, right? A decolonial liberated narrative that when the colonial narrative pops up can be like, "Mm -mm, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. You just need a nap and a snack. It'll be fine. Like, (laughs) you know, go, go nerd out for a minute, go rest, whatever you need to do. Like my thing is like either nap, snack, maybe watch a little Marvel movie, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Decompress for a minute, jump back on. Cause yeah, like you can't be open to humanity and then just be like, everything's fine. Everything's great. Isn't no, literally awesome? the world is on fire, y'all. Like I wish, <laughs> I wish it could be different, but the world is on fire. And you, you, we see like, especially when you work in this field, like I see it every single day and I hold people in the depths of that every single day. So I am most certainly, and anyone like me is most certainly not exempt from having those moments like, our group chats be lit, you know, I like yeah. <laughs> of just like, yo, did you feel like giving up today? Low key. Or like this person said this thing. And I almost forgot that I believe in humanity and like almost cuss them out in public like, or whatever. Yeah. And, and there, there's those moments. Like I, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday. Um, it was like, I was telling you, like my daughter is in Sweden for um, a work study or like a study abroad thing. Um, she just work study at college and then there <laughs> and then being non-binary um and experiencing a country where you know yes Jewish but still white yeah. right and being non-binary in a country that is hella affirming there I, they were like oh don't you just want to tell them to stay and I was like yes and because yeah, like there's safety there. I live in a red state. Yeah. There's a lot of safety there. But at the same time, if also I pick up and leave, then am I doing any, then am I doing what, what I made a promise to myself to do, which is help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's a, that's an interesting conversation. That's also rooted in, uh, in, and even just like the accessibility, right? Whether it's like racial or financial privilege, like whatever the version of privilege is that I hear a lot of people talk about of like this idea. And I always say like, this is my response to it always when people are like, yeah, I'm thinking of moving or expatriating. I said, I'm, it's interesting. Like, why would you call yourself an expatriate versus an immigrant? Because you're going to a whole other country and attempting to set up a residency, right? So I always like question back, whenever people say things like that, if you didn't immediately say, I'm going to immigrate to a different country, mm-hmm. then I suggest, or or I, I typically say like, I would suggest that you maybe lean a little bit more into the work because yeah. you still have some, you know, unpacking to do. All you're going to do is pick up and go do the same shit over there. Right. You're just going to figure out whatever their version of oppression is. Right. And replicate it, right. right? But I mean, I think to that point, like we all have to really ask ourselves, like what is our actual commitment to, to the liberation of other people? Yeah, yeah. 
And I think uh, that's such an important question, especially when we are on that journey of self, because mm -hmm. there's a point where I, at least for me, and I know and so many people that I've worked with and, and that where you look at like, okay, I know who I am. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I be in purpose in this world to do better to for it? And, you know, I feel like there's those moments of like, well, I could the all these big things or it's like okay I could I can see all the problems I can see all the things but then what is my place now in the solution the better yeah, yeah. so a lot of the work that I do with privileged folks on that journey literally starts with who are you yeah and I'm not surprised anymore when I first started doing this work like was all, oh my god you don't have to add oh, I was gonna say <laughs> Cause it's definitely more than there's more than two numbers next to each other. I'm just, I was like, is it 14, 15, a long time, but, um, it used to surprise me. Now it doesn't surprise me when I ask folks, like we have to start with, who are you? Yeah. Right. People don't know. Cause they've never, right. Like going back to that original point after babyhood, like after, you know, going from authentic self to then going to socialize self. Very few of us have been given the opportunity, whether it's because of social identity, accessibility, or the environment in which we were raised, uh -huh. to actually go through a, an authentic process of self-discovery and then have that self-discovery affirmed and supported. So then we are a bunch of grownups running around like, I want to help everybody else. Cool, cool, cool. I love that for you. But like, who are you? Yeah. And you know, at first people are like, well, I don't understand that quite like what, why that matters. And I'm like, here's a perfect question to, you know, even like frame it for people. Everybody wants to go to the protest. That's lovely. Right. I love that. We, we want to go to the protest. What is your nervous system response to a loud bang? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, uh, what is your nervous system response to physically being touched without consent? What is your nervous system response to people shouting, being pushed? Like, what are your nervous system responses? Mm -hmm. How do you handle confrontation? Yeah. Right? If you don't know who you are, you can't answer those questions. And if you don't know the answers to those questions, you actually become a liability in a protest space for people who are deeply marginalized. Right? right? So it's, again, it's like, love the intention. Love the intention. Yeah, you want to go to the protest. But you know what? If you, for whatever reason in your life, right, your nervous system response to a loud bang is to get on the floor in the fetal position. Well, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt somebody else. There's going to, people are going to fall. You know, like it's going to be a whole hot mess. I guarantee you at a protest, I haven't been to one where there isn't some sort of loud bang and you got to oh. play like, gun or like you know the if you have not been to protest like officers or the cops will also have like this the sonic booms right and you're like actual gun or just like sonic boom don't know yeah you got to figure that out quickly and then reorient so is the rubber that's not bullet, the place for you it? yeah right rubber bullet real bullet let's play that game right Mace or not nah, right so maybe then the best place for you is to sit at home and wait by the phone and make sure that that is your one commitment so that if people get arrested or people need medical care or whatever, they know everyone can call your line because that is your commitment. Yeah. That's how you're best suited. 
right? So people don't actually understand the importance of knowing who they are, even in the movement, even in liberation, yeah. right? Even down to how do you show up every single day? Because again, I love the idea that people are sign the petition, go to the protest, do the big name thing. But the big name thing is not the thing that's going to actually deliver us from evil. It's not the thing that's going to deliver us revolution. It's not the thing that's going to deliver us change. What's going to deliver us a deep and effective change is every single one of us knowing ourselves, learning ourselves, thus liberating ourselves. And then on an everyday basis, becoming the version of ourselves, working to become the version of ourselves, the liberated version of ourselves that commits to interacting with everyone else, not only in the most liberated and human way, but in order to provide liberation and space to those who need it at any given moment. Yeah. Right. How many times have we seen some wild shit pop off at the coffee shop right. and it goes viral and everyone's sitting there like, Nobody knows what to do because nobody in that situation knew themselves. Right. Nobody knows how, how they feel mm-hmm. the value is in that moment to say, mm-hmm. I can't, I cannot be a party to that. I yeah. will not. Yeah. And then, and then on the flip side. Yeah, exactly. What do you do? Right. Or, you know what? I know that I, I, I've done my work in whatever way. So I know that my nervous system is actually not at all dysregulated by physical touch without consent. So I'm going to go put my body physically between, you know, this person and the thing that's harming them or whatever, or like, I know that that is not an option for me. And I'm going to fight everybody if they even like come close to me. Cool. So I'm going to call whoever I need to call, or I'm going to make as much noise as possible. Or again, like, who are you? Yeah. You know, when you see a child, like when you see a non-binary child who is misgendered. Mm -hmm. Do you have the ability and the self-knowing to be able to step in and just say, Hey, they actually use they, them pronouns. Yeah. It's something that's so fucking simple. Yes. But it requires a knowing of self Yeah, that you can stay really regulated in that moment. Right. And an understanding of humanity and liberation and really fundamentally like again right it's that integral alignment required in spirituality and spiritual activism to be able to understand the deep impact that that has then on that child and honestly even a grown-up I'm just yeah. I was, you know you said your kids so it made me think of our littles I know I mean like technically need protection so much more little, but like, I mean yes but like always our babies right <laughs> but like my my nugget of a human baby yeah yeah there we go but you know like how much how much of a negative impact it has in that moment on that human to be erased so quickly. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, how much you can then give to them by stepping in and just, Hey, light correction. Maybe you didn't know that's cool, but they use they, them pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, and it, it was really powerful. Like now, obviously mama over here. So yeah. fighting hands will come out if you mess with my child but I I, that just brings up a distinct moment for me and anybody that is like like struggling with like okay but like is it really going to make that much of an impact um when they were about like eight years old they wanted to dye their hair it was the phase again of going wild with all the colors yep we did bright electric blue because that is what they wanted it was a pain in the ass, but I love I've my- done it twice. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but 
back in the day when I stripped, I would, I would usually do like some platinum streaks up here and then do something funky with it. And I'm like, no wonder this part of my hair does not curl the same way as the rest. <laughs> no. Right? But uh, we were at the mail, uh, the post office and a mailman started calling them a freak like a little and, and use some slurs because it yeah. was very obvious at that age that like I knew I always knew yeah if you if you're an honest person with yourself you also know with your children yeah, yeah. but I watched them crumble and want to mm-hmm. hide mm-hmm. and I looked at the guy and I was like they are them and they get to be them and yep. you are an adult and you were over here criticizing a child. And I turned right around and said, don't ever let anybody, including me, ever tell you that you are less than. And I watched my seven-year-old child, our eight-year-old, shoulders lift back up, head go up high. And yeah. in those moments, it's like, yes, it's uncomfortable. And yes, it's scary. But like, if you know yourself and you know that it's important to you to see other people living themselves that flip right there can do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even just if, if you're ever wondering, this is now, you know, my little like teaching lesson, but if you're ever wondering like, oh, well, I don't know, like, is it really going to do anything? Is it really going to fill them back up? Right. Is it going to light their light back up? Even if it doesn't do any of that, what it does say is there's somebody else in this space who is committed to your safety. Yeah. You know, there's somebody else in this space who sees you, you are actually not alone. And like, maybe there's more of them. And when I say them, I mean, you know, the bigots and the whoever's than us right now, but I've got you. I don't even know you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know you. A lot of times, like, I don't know, you know like, I don't know the people that I might step in for, especially like. If it is, I always say coffee chops because I see the, you know, I love me my coffee. Weird so. shit it's uh, because people think that they're just like having a quick little social moment. Right. And I'm like, you're still in society. People can hear you. Like, right. you know, like, yeah. like you're not alone just because you're ordering your coffee. Um, and also there's a whole other dynamic about like, you know, late stage capitalism and the way that we treat quote unquote service people and like all of that. Um, but yeah, you know, like, just even being able to to do that in those public spaces super quick of just like, pause, no. Like, you don't get to behave like that. That's inappropriate, right? That's all it even has to be. Mm-hmm. But that does so much for people's humanity, right? For people's self-worth and for people's sense of safety and connectedness. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. But yeah. it really does come back to like, you got to know you. Cause if you don't know yourself, you you're like, you're not going to, I like, I promise you, you're going to sit there and say nothing. And that's ultimately why, and I'll stop my little Ted talk, but that's ultimately why like people say, well, you've been like this for so long, or you've been able to advocate since, I mean, I think that my first distinct memory of like activism, I was 12 years old, like on my own, not like, you know, going somewhere because my parents said so kind of thing. Yeah. Um, even though very, again, very blessed and lucky to have had parents that, that planted the seeds. Um, and an entire community that planted the seeds. But the one thing that I knew, I did not know myself, I was, you know, but I was figuring myself out. But the one element that I knew of myself was that physically it made me like, it made 
my body cringe and tight. And like, mm-hmm. I could feel it in my chest. I could feel it in my throat. And when I was much younger, you know, it involved a lot of like, I was like, oh my God, all the nerves, like my body's shaking, but I got to say the thing. But I knew that if I was seeing something that now I understand to be injustice, right? Or somebody's humanity being robbed of them, that I had a visceral physical reaction. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I got to do something. And even though when I was younger, it was just like, I don't know what this feeling is, but I like it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that, that moves you, that adrenaline, all of that moves you to, to do something. Even though, you know, I was like, I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I figured it out later, but, but it's like, that was enough for me. Yeah. That was how I knew I was like, oh, this is my purpose. Like, this is part of my divine calling. Yeah. And, and I feel like if you really look at back when you're starting to really understand yourself, so many of us, if we really start looking back, like you're going to see those moments because I've mm-hmm. had that too, like there, and it wasn't like the same reaction, but like, it would feel like my soul was breaking. Like yeah. I felt I could feel the hurt on a very palatable level and it, it, I couldn't stand it. Like yeah. I would immediately just start crying and I like couldn't understand. And then when I was doing my own work, I'm like, is this me trying, you know, is this, you know, yes, there's the construction to do there, but like, I was like, no, it just, it hurts. Yeah. Just watch it. I can't watch it and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a deep sadness. And for anyone who's an empath, like I'm an empath too. So it's like, I'm like, God damn it. I can't just like, cause I can feel it. So it's like, yeah, yeah like, you know, that's my own narrative of like, if you can feel it and you know, like, why wouldn't you, and you can participate, why wouldn't you participate in alleviating somebody's pain? Yeah. It seems so simple to me. I understand that it's not for all the reasons, obviously I teach it all day long, but like, just the idea of it, right? The idea of it just seems so profoundly simple to me. It does. And I think when you put it in that perspective of saying like, if you can see someone's pain and you can be a part of alleviating it, even on the smallest level, why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. There's a ripple effect that happens from that. Mm-hmm. You really yeah. alleviate their pain. They, they go out into this world a little stronger. Maybe they can do it for somebody else someday. And then them, and then, them, and you know, goes on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause per- fundamentally, I truly believe that when we do those, you know, th- when we have those moments where we can alleviate someone else's pain, we can be a part of somebody else's safety or, yeah. you know, reinforcing their humanity that brings them a little bit closer, not only to themselves, but to the collective that brings them a little closer to this idea of, of self-love and, and love for other people. Right. Which is a profound, like clear core tenant of liberation. Um, right. And, and then that in turn means that they're pouring that light out around them, right? Like they shine a little brighter and the brighter that we shine, like, I, I really believe like the more light that we can spread, you know what I mean? Like we cast away the darkness. I know it sounds like super corny. People are always like, well, that's corny. I'm like, I don't care. It's the truth. Like, it's true. It's just true. It's so true. It drives out the darkness. Yeah. And And I feel like it also, it takes it down to a much more digestible level for people, because I feel like we see this whole idea of a spiritual journey. And this is definitely a very Western culture approach of whitewashed spirituality, where it's like, you do all of this work to become this enlightened human being. What if it's just about you 
being yourself, your, your true self mm-hmm. without all the bullshit mm-hmm. and, and being light to others and to yourself. What if that's it? Yeah, that is something that like, I really see fuck people up when you ask them that, because especially like whitewashed um, Western spirituality and notions of spirituality are so they're so this is a whole TED talk for another time, but they're just so deeply rooted in oppression and victim blaming and spiritual bypassing. Like all you're doing is bypassing other people's pain so that you feel better about yourself. Um, Or I shouldn't say that that sounds mean. You feel better about your journey and the choices that you've made. Um, that's a better way to, to communicate what I'm trying to say. Um, and, and the reason for that is whitewashed Western spirituality doesn't include an element of activism. It doesn't include an element of liberation. It doesn't include that element of let me evolve myself to a place of such radiance that I can't help, but radiate it out to other people. Mm -hmm. Right. There's that missing element because it's still rooted in the self. And so in, instead of just saying, you know, now the next step, because I think that's that's always the first step, right? Like you got to start with yourself, with yourself. Like you have to, <laughs> like, you know, we liberate our, ourselves in order to liberate others. Or, I, you know, my like tagline in one of my courses, literally liberation for all by way of your own and liberation. Yeah. Um, and if we were really rooted in activism and spirituality being like coexisting and actually being fundamentally part of one being part of the other, right? And being inextricably linked, then there would be no way to bypass, right? There would be no way to circumvent. Like it would be the most natural and authentic thing because you know yourself so well. You've, right? Like evolved those parts of yourself, fallen back in love with those parts of yourself. Yeah. Rediscovered or or just discovered, you know, for the first time. So that then when you step out into the world, it's like, well, obviously like, let me shine some light over there. Let me put it over there. Like, let me either use my physical body, my spiritual body, my mental, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but it would be, you know, again, it's a no brainer. Like you see someone else's pain, your light can alleviate it in that moment. Why wouldn't you share it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and just thinking about that, like, you know, you do that for yourself and you start sharing it and we all start doing that. Imagine, imagine all the things that we're seeing happening. They're happening because we are distracted from ourselves and from seeing each other as yeah. viable, valuable beings in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say this and then I've been talking for a while, so I'll leave you with this, so to speak. But um, one of the things that I always like to remind the folks that I work with and my clients is that we have very intentionally been taught to make ourselves smaller. Yeah. We've very intentionally been taught to see ourselves as a singular, isolated individual, completely separate from the collective. And the reason for that is if we feel small, then we feel like the Goliath of problems in front of us are not problems that we can provide solutions to, or we can't do anything about, right? They're so much bigger than us. Yeah. And so the thing that I like to remind people is that, yeah, one single person is not going to change the course of society in this moment. Yeah. Just like a single pebble being thrown into an ocean is not going to rock a wave. Right. But if every time a pebble decides to, you know, liberate itself, so to speak, right. Throw itself in the ocean and it touches another pebble and that pebble goes too. Right. Right. By the time 10 pebbles, maybe still nothing, 
20 pebbles, eh, 10,000, 10 million, 100 million, 10 billion pebbles. I mean, that's a force to be reckoned with, right? That's literally physics. You can't argue with that. <laughs> like that's no. actually how it works, right? So I always just like to leave people with that reminder that like, you might feel small, you might feel inconsequential, you might feel like, yeah, on the grand scale, you can't do a lot. But on a one-on-one basis, right? The kid who has that postman who's saying terrible things to them, like you can impact that that person. You can impact a few. And the more of us that commit to just starting with the people around us, the more of us that commit to just being able to stand between one male, male dude and a kid. Right. Right. Then there becomes a lot more of us than the them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more light than the bigotry or the hate or the oppression or the darkness. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's all we're trying to do. Yeah. And it really just does take each of us coming back. Yep. It's coming back. Yeah. <sighs> we thank you so fucking much for being oh. here. I could just let you roll on for our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like just keep going but what do you want to talk about next what do you want to go into (laughs) I could probably also do that (laughs) I want to also check into is there anything because I know like first of all again so happy for you that you got your eye surgery for those of you that are listening um you can see all of the (laughs) did you have the moment afterward where you're like that's what this looks like yeah. So two days after the surgery, for folks that don't know, I um, was born with congenital eye defect. I started losing my vision very rapidly about a year ago. So I was, you know, going, literally going blind. Um, but I've never had like great vision ever, even with corrective lenses. So two days after the surgery, I go on a walk with my partner and I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, what, 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 what? And I'm like, oh, leaves have veins in them. Oh no. Yeah. Exactly. But and like- I was, it was like, and again, right. Like from an embodied sentient place, it was like, my whole body was filled with this like warmth and joy of like, yeah. look at how beautiful nature is like colors of flowers. Cause we went on the walk that we always go on with the pup, like flowers that I'm like, this is this vibrant. Like it always had looked more muted, you know? So literally the, I can see the world for the first time ever. And it is so beautiful and so amazing. Um, and it also means that for the first time in about a year, like I'm creating new content and new courses finally, cause I'm, I can see shit, <laughs> you know? And like, I it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I don't even actually have words for feeling very blessed, but also like just, yeah. Yeah. You, you have no idea until you, you finally can have it all, like what the world around you is like. so which was leading me to like what are you creating what is coming out for people to gather up from you and yeah so I have a couple of co-created projects coming out that um I've been waiting to do until I knew what was going on with the surgery so shout out to the lovely people I'm about to name for being so deeply in community with me and being really patient and just knowing like we got to do this thing. Like we have to birth it. But, um, so Terilyn Anderson, who is one of my dear, dear, dear friends, they are a gender equity, um, educator and a sex coach and therapist. And so they and I are teaming up and it actually, our course 
Um, it starts July 6th, but it's going to be rolling. Like we're just going to take co- cohorts as we go. It's literally called pleasure and peace. And it is a seven month journey. Um, re- literally talking about everything that we've been alluding to here. So it's what does the journey look like of coming home to yourself? What does it look like to really reconnect to your body and go from being very intellectual beings on purpose, right? Divorced from our bodies to being a sentient, empowered being, to personal liberation, falling in love with yourself, understanding the language of your body, body mapping, like all of it for your own personal liberation. Um, the reason I'm most excited about it is we're actually gonna have two co- cohorts based on marginalization. So there's one specifically for trans non-binary folks. Um, and people of color, and then one for um, cis white folks, because we wanted to be able to provide as much safety as possible. Um, so that's coming out. Uh, Kimberly Pendleton, who's an intimacy coach, and I uh, have been doing some work together around like, uh, you know, business uncover, but we're going to launch a high level mastermind called the, uh, the uh, I'm not gonna tell you what it's called, because it's a really cool name, actually. And we're just gonna wait till we do a whole in deal. But it's <laughs> really fucking yeah. cool. So that's coming. Um, I actually uh, just got my foundation letter. So I applied for a foundation um, during the pandemic. I have been approved. So it's the Duran Family Foundation. Um, there's a lot of really fucking cool stuff that I'm about to do with this foundation because once the government says like people can give you money and they get a tax benefit, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to give you money to do really oh, yeah. cool shit in the world. Right. Um, so definitely, definitely stay tuned for that because a lot of my work is transitioning specifically towards liberation. Uh, Cause I got pigeonholed into anti-racism cause right. that's an element of my work, but that's not the work, you know? Right. So um, liberation and then getting really actionable through the foundation um, and really being able to touch people's lives and touch communities in very, very direct, Im- directly impactful ways. Oh my God. That is, I'm, I'm so excited for you because this is beautiful work and I know it's going to be big and, and now you can see all the things to make <laughs> It's amazing. Um, And for those of you that for some reason are not following Weez, don't worry. All of the links will be here so you can stay tuned with all of this stuff, see how you can be a part of it and or refer out for people that can get this work because we all need it. We all need it. Yeah. And don't worry if anything I just said feels like a little scary and overwhelming and like you're starting out at the beginning. I still have my like intro level stuff and my four part lecture series and the Patreon. And like, there's, I've, I've thought about this. I am, I'm an educator first and foremost. So I've thought about the students and all the different learning styles and places in the journey. So if nothing else, DM me. Yeah. If you're curious, my DMs are open to folks who know how to center and honor humanity and respect boundaries. Yay. Thank you again. I appreciate the ever-loving hell out of you and all <laughs> you. of the beauty that you put out into this world. I really like just genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me.